Welcome to High Cheese. It's Friday, February 2nd, 2024. And let me give you an update on the Texas standoff. And the update is they are still standing off. Biden administration is not doing anything. We've got a press conference either Sunday or Monday with the governor of Texas, as well as 15 of the 25 other governors that are standing behind Texas. Now, this razor wire case isn't the only case that Texas and the Biden administration is fighting over. You also have the Biden administration suing Texas over those floating barriers that Texas put up on the Rio Grande River. And you also have the Biden administration suing Texas for a law that they recently passed that allows state law enforcement officials to arrest migrants for illegally entering Texas. And it gives state judges the ability to throw them out of the country. One of these three cases, or all three cases, are eventually going to wind up in the Supreme Court. And I think the key justice is going to be Amy Coney Barrett. Now, the previous decision to vacate a lower court's decision to keep up the barrier was a 5-4 decision where John Roberts and Coney Barrett sided with the Democrats. Now, because John Roberts is an institutionalist, he tends to side with the power structure, with our institutions, whether it's constitutional or not. So my sense is that Roberts will lean toward siding with the Biden administration. But Coney Barrett, I'm not too sure. So she's the key person. Is she going to make the decision? And it's going to be a hard decision. And I'll tell you why it's going to be a hard decision for Coney Barrett. Because she's already standing on the fence here. But the Supreme Court is going to have to have some guts and make a decision and tell the American people that the Biden administration is not functioning on the border. They have acquiesced their authority to protect the American people at the border. And because of that, the states, according to the Constitution, have every right to protect their own border. And that's fundamentally the decision they're going to have to make. And I'm sure Roberts is going to say, well, you know, it's not the Supreme Court's charge to make a policy decision. And that's why it's going to come down to Coney Barrett. So we'll she'll see. I, I don't know where she's going to land on this. I think her instincts, her conservative instincts should tell us that she's going to side with Texas. Now, I want to talk about this convoy of truckers that are making its way to Texas. Now, I've heard estimates anywhere from 7,000 trucks to 70,000 trucks that are converging on Texas. Now, I've also heard that they are also going to converge in, on Arizona, and they are going to peacefully protest what is going on with our border. Now, the organizers have outlined four key elements of their protest. The first is they want to shed light on the obvious dangers posed by a wide open southern border. Two, to request all laws of our constitution to immediately be upheld. To slow and ultimately stop drug trafficking and human trafficking associated with open borders. And to call for the immediate action to secure our borders before irreversible, serious consequences befall our nation. Now, I think they're supposed to land in Texas on Sunday or Monday. And I got this piece of information from my wife, you know, because 
she says that the these these protests they have to be very careful about any false flags being created by the opposition. Now, apparently, there's rumors that there's these NGOs, source-backed organizations that are going to have counter-protests. Or some of them may have infiltrated the truckers, and they're looking to do some damage. So keep your eyes out for that. This is a peaceful protest. These are truckers that are peaceful, and if there's anything that we've learned from the truckers up in Canada, that these are peaceful people. And don't be surprised if you have a false flag down there, created by the deep state, created by these Soros-backed organizations to undermine the truckers. So we shall see. Now, the House Homeland Security Committee this week voted to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, Now, this is just a Homeland Security Committee. They voted to impeach Mayorkas, and the next step, it has to go to the floor of the House. And this is how arrogant Mayorkas is. They invite him to come to the hearing about his impeachment, and he goes, oh, I can't make that date. And the House says, well, just give us a written testimony. And all he's trying to do is just delay it and show no respect to that committee. Here you are. You are being impeached by a committee of the House of Representatives. And you want to change the date? Oh, I can't make it. I got to rearrange my sock drawer. And let me give you a quote from a member of the House, Marky Green, a Republican of Tennessee. And this was taken from the New York Times. And Green says, the truth is that Secretary Mayorkas has disregarded court orders Laws passed by Congress and has lied to the American people. Representative Mark E. Green, Republican of Tennessee and chairman of the panel, panel said during the hearing. Who wants a secretary that can just disregard the fundamental pillars of the Constitution? We cannot tolerate that, whether they are Republican or Democrat. And the ball is now in Mike Johnson's court because he has to get all the votes necessary to impeach Mayorkas, because you know the Democrats aren't going to vote for impeachment. So we shall see. Did you see that group of migrants that beat up those cops in New York City? And then they get arrested. They get hauled into court and the judge releases them. And on the way out, they give everyone the finger. Oh, that's real nice. You beat up law enforcement. And then when you release, you give the finger to the country that you want to come into. But what do you expect from a vast number of migrants that don't respect our laws just by the mere fact that they're coming into this country illegally? Why do you think they would respect our law enforcement? And why do you think they would respect our judicial system when they're released? You know, a lot of people are saying a lot, oh, they're all, they want to come here for a better life. Not all of them. And what is their better life? Is it mugging people? Is it beating up cops? Disregarding laws? Is that what their idea of a better life is? And let's take a look at New York City. What's going on in New York City because of this? I think they've taken in 160,000 illegals to date. Homeless people are being pushed out onto the street from their shelters because they need to make room for the migrants. You've got a head lice epidemic in the New York City school systems, which no one wants to talk about. I guess it was reported by Curtis Sliwa about a month ago. 
that the New York City school system has taken in 12,000 migrant children. And now they've got an epidemic of head lice. You think there's a connection there? We've got bets being moved out to make room for the migrants. We've got these illegal migrants taking the jobs of new legal immigrants. Is this a way to treat the American people? And this is why America First is so popular. We've got to get an administration in there. We've got to get a group in our government that treats Americans. And I'm not asking for much. Just treat them as well as you're treating the migrants. But that's not happening today. The migrants are being treated better than many U.S. citizens. They're given money. They're given cell phones. They've got these NGOs paying their way all the way up from South America or wherever they're coming in. And these NGOs are being funded by the American taxpayer, many of them. But what's really disturbing, even more so, is national security. What is the impact of this massive amount of migrants coming into our country, unvetted, to our national security? And with that said, I want to read an article about the warning we just got by Chris Ray. And I usually don't quote anything from CNN, but I'm going to quote a CNN article. And it says here that... Headline says, Ray's stunning warning points to a new age of U.S. vulnerability. Says his stunning warning about China's capacity to wreak havoc on U.S. infrastructure and directly harm Americans sheds new light on the ambitions of America's new superpower foe and helps give context to the fragile relations between Washington and Beijing that are already showing up as an issue in the 2024 campaign. And, an expert said, Ray's bombshell assessment about the vulnerabilities of the systems that underpin daily life reflected a growing issue, the the interconnected nature of new transport, power, and energy networks that could mean a future cyber attack on a single node could paralyze the entire country. Now, there was an article in the New York Times, maybe a month or two ago, and I reported it that there were 60,000 Chinese migrants coming into this country. First of all, no one leaves China without the central government knowing about it. But could these be sleeper cells that are focused on cyber attacks internally here in the United States? Now, I know enough about cybersecurity to know that it's much easier to attack certain locations locally than it is internationally. And this is what this Biden administration's policy on the southern border has done. CNN said it. It's our foe. China is our foe. And we're letting illegal Chinese migrants come into this country without being vetted. Now, I want to switch to another equally disturbing topic. And I want to play a clip by Dick Durbin. And all these 11 million people that have come in over the past three years, as well as the people that are already here illegally, Durbin wants to let them go into the army, and then you can get your citizenship. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. The presiding officer, my colleague from the state of Illinois, has legislation which addresses one aspect of that. 
her bill, and I hope I describe it accurately, says that if you're an undocumented person in this country and you can pass the physical and the required test, background test, the like, you can serve in our military, and if you do it honorably, we will make you citizens of the United States. And Dick Durbin is the Democrat senator from Illinois. And what he's proposing here is just demonic. You're going to let our fighting force be manned by people with no real underlying connection to the United States without knowing what it is to be an American, other than sneaking into this country because they wanted a better life. That's not enough to be an American. Now, it's nice, but it's not enough to understand what it is to be an American. There's no visceral connection between this land and fighting for this land when you've come into this country illegally without respecting its laws. And what kind of fighting force are you going to have if that's the case? Look at Ukraine. Ukraine, even though they're getting beat, they're fighting a valiant fight in Ukraine because they are fighting for their country and their land. They have a connection to their country, a connection to their land. I don't think you're going to find that same connection for their country and land from people that have snuck into this country illegally with loyalties that may not be to this country. Now, the other thing I find even more demonic is that if you take a look at history and how outside forces in your military can be used against the native culture in a country is problematic. Again, let's take another look at Ukraine during the Bolshevik Revolution, when the Bolsheviks used secret police and sometimes military from far outside the area of Ukraine, away places in Russia to fight against the Kulaks in Ukraine, because they know if they got a local military group, they wouldn't fight against Ukrainians. They wouldn't fight against the the Kulaks, but it would be much easier for them to fight the Kulaks if you were from a far-reaching place in Russia. It makes it much easier for an administration with evil intent against its people to have the military fight against them when it's manned with people with no real connection with this country. I've been talking a lot about Ukraine today, and let's talk about modern-day Ukraine. And there was a report that came out earlier this week that Volodymyr Zelensky plans on firing his top general, Zaluzny. Now, there's been friction between the two for the past uh, six months about the war. And Zaluzny is very popular with the Ukrainian people, very popular with the generals. And I think this bothers Zelensky. And so a report came out said he plans on firing Zaluzny. And a later report that came out said that Zaluzny says he's not going anywhere. And the generals that surround him said They support Zaluzny. So this firing is supposed to take place on Monday, according to reports. And it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen. What I find really, really uh, interesting is that everything is quiet. There's been no reporting ever since this. Very quiet. So something may be happening in the upcoming weeks in uh, Ukraine with Zelensky. Again, my opinion, this is a way that Zelensky is just trying to consolidate more and more power. He's got a popular general that's popular with the uh, other generals as well as the Ukrainian people. And I don't think Zelensky likes it. And Zelensky, who's already banned opposition parties, banned the Orthodox Church, banned elections, 
it seems to be a continuation of his consolidation of power over there. And in the United States here, this uh, $60 billion package just uh, it seems to be going nowhere, which is good because this war should be over. Zelensky should negotiate. Stop getting those Ukrainian people killed. Now, the EU came out and said they were going to give 50 billion euros in aid to Ukraine, and that's going to be paid out from 2024 through 2027. And apparently it's only for administrative purposes to pay their operations of government, pay the pensions of Ukrainian workers, but no military aid. So it's really going to be interesting to see what happens in Ukraine over the next three or four weeks. So we shall see. Okay, this just in. The United States has responded to the Iran-backed uh, militia that attacked a U.S. base in Jordan and killed three troops. And it responded by launching attacks in several militia bases in Iraq and Syria. So I'm sure there'll be more over the weekend with more detail. Okay, I want to talk about inflation again, and I just want to go to a report here, an interesting report that said that in spite of um, inflation going up 18% under Joe Biden's administration, the cost of food and groceries actually went up 25% since Biden took office. And what is Joe Biden doing now? First, he blamed Russia, and now he's blaming the grocers. It's the grocers of America's that are causing this inflation. They're gouging prices. It's not me. It's not my bad policy. It's the grocers. What a hack. He's blaming everyone but himself. And with that said, I want to go to a clip, and it's with Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary. And she's telling the American people that, oh, you already know that prices aren't going down. So the, uh, so the Biden administration knows these high prices under this administration are not going to go away. It's going to take a different administration to come in and fix this problem. But Joe Biden's out there blaming anybody but him. So let's go to this yelling clip and then we'll discuss. How do you convince Americans and voters that those prices might not go back to where they were before the pandemic? Well, I think most... Um, Americans know that prices um, are not likely to fall. It's oh, no, most Americans do expect prices to fall. It's just not going to be under your administration. And they know this in the White House. And so Biden's out there just lying like he does, lying and trying to obfuscate everything when they know that prices aren't going down. So we shall see. Okay, let's take a quick look at some polling. And uh, general election, Trump v. Biden, a CNN poll. Trump plus four. General election, Trump v. Biden. Yahoo News, Trump plus one. Let's take a look at some swing states. Georgia, Fox News, Trump plus eight. Arizona, Bloomberg, Trump plus three. Nevada, Bloomberg, Trump plus eight. Wisconsin, Fox News, tie. The one before this poll, done by... Bloomberg, Trump plus five. Let's take a look at Michigan. Bloomberg, Trump plus five. Let's take a look at North Carolina. Bloomberg, Trump plus 10. Let's take a look at Pennsylvania. This is from Franklin Marshall. It says Biden plus one. The one before that, Bloomberg, Trump plus three. 
So you have Trump steadily winning head to head against Biden as well as as well as most of the swing states. And this bodes well for Donald Trump right now. But you still have to come out and vote. Now, I think it was the House that wanted to pass a resolution a few weeks ago just uh, acknowledging that Trump is the nominee for the Republican Party. And Trump said, no, let's not do that. And it was a smart move by him because I think what it allows him to do is it allows him to go through the primary process and, and work hard. And it's a way of getting his ground game uh, a little more experience in the primary so they can come out and fight and pull out the vote in the general election. So I think it's a really smart move that Trump did this. Um, it's good practice, to say the least. And while we're on the subject of Republican politics, can we please get rid of Rona McDaniel as the head of the RNC? It has no direction under her. Now, for all practical purposes, the RNC is useless. All they do is collect money, do advertisements, have all the consultants collect their money. And at the end of the day, they couldn't care less who wins or loses as long as they get paid. They don't develop a ground game. They don't develop a get out the vote on the streets. Commercials aren't enough. You've got to send people out there on the streets, and the RNC is not doing this. Donald Trump's campaign is doing this, but the RNC is not. You've got to get somebody out there with a little fire in their belly that's going to hit the streets and get out the vote in November. And I don't think Rona McDaniel has the capacity to do it. A, she doesn't know how to do it, and I don't think she has the stomach to do it. And what she could do best, or whoever replaces her, is they got to get money over to these organizations like Turning Point. These are organizations that can get out the vote. They've got people on the ground, not consultants in suits and ties collecting fees for advertising. That's not going to work. That's not the way a campaign is run, not in today's world. Commercials only go so far. Got to pull out the vote. You got to do it like the Democrats. Pull out the vote. Legitimately, not cheating. Legitimately. We all know that Dems cheat. So we shall see. Okay, before I go, let's talk about Fannie Willis. And Fannie Willis, in court documents today, admitted she has a romantic relationship with Nathan Wade, the prosecutor that she hired and paid $650,000 to prosecute Donald Trump in Georgia. And this is devastating. I just can't see how she can proceed with this. At the very least, this is uh, unethical. She should be taken off the case or the case should be thrown out. Or this is criminal because she's paying taxpayer money to her boyfriend who in turn is taking her out on luxury cruises and other places around the world. Now, we've got the Georgia State Senate voted to have a special investigative committee into Fannie Willis, as well as the House Judiciary Committee in Washington moving toward an investigation of Fannie Willis. Again, this is what you get. These are political hacks. They have no conscience. They have no character. And it's all about getting Donald Trump and using government taxpayer dollars to benefit their personal lives. So with that said, thank you very much for listening. You have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday.